four Sundays um, are the season of Advent, and Advent is it's kind of a time of preparation for the coming of Christ. And so just like Lent kind of leads up to Easter, Advent is a season set aside to prepare ourselves to receive this Christ child again. And during Advent, the past several years, Wellspring uh, has had a tradition of challenging people to consider kind of reallocating their Christmas spending towards some things of eternal significance. And so taking a portion of what you might have spent on stuff that you're probably going to forget soon after and maybe reallocating that money towards some significant things that would have an impact right here in our community and really around the world. And so, um, and I think by doing this, it really reflects the heart of a God who gives. And so the next four Sundays, you're going to be hearing some representatives from some of those different ministries like Food for Kids and the Guest House and Edison and Young Life and Rescued Readers um, sharing a little bit about their ministry and some of the needs they have. And we're going to have the opportunity to, to bless them financially um, over the next uh, year and uh, hopefully beyond. So today I kind of want to prep us for that time as well as kind of prepare us for the season we're getting ready to enter into in our church uh, budget year as well. So I want you to fill in the blank for me, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave. So God expressed his love for a fallen and broken humanity, a population that as we've looked at from the very beginning of the first book of scripture has largely ignored and disobeyed him by giving. 700 years before Christ was born, the prophet Isaiah wrote this about Christ in Isaiah 9:6. Says for us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And God could have chosen to give us anything, but he knew what we needed was a savior. And so he gave himself, his presence, his love, his grace, his truth in human form, God with skin on. And we've tried to celebrate and and worship during the Christmas season at Wellspring in a way that reflects the heart of a God who gives. So over the past six years, We've collected about $75,000 during Advent that we've given away to help feed kids here in our neighborhood in the summer, to send uh, kids to school in school uniforms in Haiti, to send kids to Young Life Camp in the summer who might have a need to provide clean water wells to villages all over the world, um, to provide a home in our neighborhood where kids can come and get a meal and be loved on. And we're a part of a movement kind of nationwide called the Advent Conspiracy. If you've been here, you've heard of that. If you haven't, it's thousands of churches around the country that in the last few years have really kind of just taken a look at how as a church do we celebrate Christmas? Does it really reflect the heart of God and what matters to him most? And so we've done some things a little bit differently, and it's been a beautiful thing to be a part of, I know for me. Because the reality is, is that we live in a bucket list culture. A bucket list culture. And um, most of you guys are pretty familiar with that term. You kind of know what it means. Who can give me a real quick definition of what a bucket list is? What is a bucket list? Things you want to do before you die, right? Before you kick the bucket, right? 
I did a little research online and just kind of entered bucket list in and, and found this one website that boasted a thousand bucket list ideas. So they were broken down into all different categories. You had things like adventure, so they, they had dog sledding, catching a wave surfing, parasailing, getting a tattoo. They had some weird things like pose with a figure at a wax museum, <laughs> sing a karaoke duet. Then they upped the ante a little bit with things like walk on hot coals. Here's one that got really strange. They even had a picture that went with this one. Before I die, this person wanted to bathe an elephant. (laughs) Bathe an elephant. Never crossed my mind. Um, And here's one that just freaked me out. Somebody on their bucket list wrote, wrap a snake around my neck. I would kick the bucket if a snake was around my neck. That would be the end of my bucket list. That's a death wish. Good Lord. So bucket lists, in theory, could be good. I mean, you could have a bucket list of all the charitable things that you want to do before you die. Most of the bucket lists I see tend to be more of the self-centered variety, right? What are the things that I want to do Uh, experiences that I want to have to make my life feel more complete, to fill my bucket up, which on one hand kind of acknowledges that something's lacking to begin with. And and this this, uh, bucket list culture creates a tension when we open the Bible and we read about a Savior who had this way of life, as we looked at last year, of downward mobility, a Savior who laid his life down at a very young age, possessing only the clothes on his back, and even those were stripped from him before he was nailed to a cross. Do you think Mother Teresa had a bucket list? Can you imagine her going back to her bunk at night and kind of writing down, yeah, I guess I could hang out here and care for the poor in Calcutta a little bit more, but what I'd really like to do is bungee jump off Niagara Falls, you know, (laughs) take some selfies and post it on Instagram, right? I'm pretty sure she realized that her life wasn't about her and what she may have wanted, not that she would have wanted to do that anyways. But into this bucket list culture, we hear the heart of God calling us to something deeper. Isaiah 58, 7 through 9, the message version of the Bible says this, What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on, and your lives will, will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, Here I am. If we ask God, I'm sorry, that's the end of that quote. (laughs) Moving on. Hang on. I'm going to take a drink. (laughs) Okay. I've started to drift is what happened. I'll be honest with you. I'm reading this quote and I'm thinking about something else. 
That's why I didn't see the quote's end. So, anywho. If we were to go and ask God, God, what do you want for Christmas? I think that's how he would answer. I think as we look at that verse, he would say, I want my people to do those things. That's what I want for Christmas. God showed his love for the world by giving up his son. And when that son came to the earth and began doing his ministry, this is what he said about himself in Matthew 20, 28. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give, to give, to give. We most reflect Christ when we become givers. Is there any more powerful, powerful word than giving? Thanksgiving. Forgiving. Life-giving. Caregiving. Everything that matters in living comes back to giving. I've been reading this book lately. I want to share a quote, and I'm going to share some more things from it this morning. But it says, we exist to be little Christ, not little ladder climbers, not little control freaks, not little convenience dwellers, simply little giving Christ. And just as God gave his son as a gift, he now places that gift inside of each one of us as a gift to the world. God still so loves the world, but now he gives you and me. We are a gift. And like I said, I've been reading this book. It's by um, Ann Voskamp. It's called The Broken Way. And in it, she shares a story of sitting next to this Jewish rabbi on an airplane. And it's not a joke, okay? There's not a priest and a whatever. So just a Jewish rabbi on a plane. Writing about their interactions, she says this. She said, he looked out the window and pointed. Every morning that the sun rises and you get to rise, that's God saying he believes in you, that he believes in the story that he's writing through you. He believes in you as a gift the world needs. Have you thought about your life in that way? That every day that God allows you to live another day, that he's thinking, you know what? You're a gift that this world needs. That's why I'm giving you another day of heartbeats and breath. You see, as recipients of God's grace and forgiveness through his death and resurrection, as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, we start every day with a full bucket. I hope you understand and believe that. Because as Christ followers, we have literally Christ in us. And if we allow ourselves to be, we can be completely satisfied by that. Everything that we need for life and love has been given to us in Christ. We're full. We don't need another adventure to make us feel alive. Meaning comes not from filling ourselves up with experiences, but from the experience of emptying ourselves out 
In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is trying to describe the attitude and the mindset of Christ as he went about his life. In verse 7 seven and 8, Paul writes this, that though Christ was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. As Paul's own life was coming to an end, he said this about himself. He said, I am already being poured out. God was emptying Paul for the sake of others. One church I read about recently has a generosity motto that says this. Generosity is not measured by how much we give away. Generosity is measured by how much we keep for ourselves. I want you to sit on that one for a bit. How does that speak to you this morning? Any thoughts come into your mind? Yeah. Okay, so she said sometimes we give guardedly, kind of once we make sure that we're taken care of, then we'll kind of give away whatever scraps we feel like we can part with. Yeah. Uh, to be alive today for me is a miracle, and everything that's been given to me is just for me to give away in selfless service and an attitude of gratitude for having this life and being able to wake up this morning and live another day clean. Yeah. Yeah. It's not mine. It's mine to give away, not yeah. So he said an important perspective is to make sure that we understand that uh, everything we have in life is not ours to begin with. It's been given to us to give away. Yeah. Anybody else have any thoughts on on that statement? Yeah, Justin. Yeah, yeah. He said when when, I, when you write the church church check or whatever so whatever ministry supporting that it it ought to be a little painful once in a while, right? Yeah, Matt. Yeah, 
He said he gives more stuff to a trash can sometimes than he does to people in need. He's got so much stuff. I wonder if an interesting experiment this Christmas for us might be just literally not buying anything. Just take a year off from giving people presents that don't really need them and giving away your money to people that you know do. I don't know. Might teach our kids something about generosity. I've always wondered, you know, where are the folks, and I'm including myself in this, it'd be really cool just for once um, for somebody to come and just say, hey, you know what, I got a, a raise at work or a promotion, and um, either we're going to stay in the house that we're in or we're going to get a smaller house so we can give more money away. I don't hear that perspective very often. Usually it's accepted even in Christian cultures. Well, yeah, man, you got more, go get more. Get a nicer car, get a little bit bigger house. You deserve it, you've earned it. I just don't know if it's biblical. I don't know if it's really how Christ operated. That's the tension, right? We like to just think, well, yeah, we've got a good heart and and I give my 10% or whatever I do, you know, serve. And I just don't know that it's really quite the path of downward mobility that Christ calls us to. But we're constantly having to evaluate our self-centered desires for comfort, aren't we? Voskamp, in another uh, scene from her, her book, she talks about being in the waiting room of a doctor's office. And she said the lady across from her began a conversation, and, and during the conversation she revealed that the reason that she was there that day was because of a, a cancer diagnosis. And the lady said, you know what? Dr. Reed said the last time I was in here that in our human bodies, the cells that only benefit themselves are known as cancer. The cells that only benefit themselves are known as cancer. We have a lot of things that we can use our money and our lives for. So I want to encourage you guys to kind of join me in challenging ourselves to maybe rethink what generosity looks like. How might God be calling you to use your resources a little bit differently during this Advent season? How might he be calling you to invest in Wellspring and the ministry that we're doing here differently in 2017? How much are we keeping for ourselves And what does that say about what we find our hope and joy in? As we close today, I want to begin and begin our journey towards Christmas. I want to leave us with one last quote from this book. She wrote, Isn't this how God made the cosmos? With givenness at the center and generosity as this broken path to abundance. Look at us all in this waiting room. Look at us all wandering around after a spinning planet with these bucket lists, desperate to fill ourselves up with meaning when meaning comes from emptying ourselves out. As we head into communion today, I just want to share Christ's words during the Last Supper. 
when he initiated this ritual of communion. This is what he said to his disciples, Matthew 26. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus took simple elements, and he was thankful for the things that he, was, he had, and then he gave it away. And knowing that what he was really communicating was that his, he was giving himself away, that he was literally in just a few hours going to be poured out the life you know, drained out of him. So as we enter into the week of Thanksgiving, it's a great time, obviously, to kind of look at our lives and say, God, you know, financially, um, our, our individual gifts and how we're wired, um, so many things that we can offer and be thankful for and kind of take stock of, God, what have you given me? What have you given me uh, material-wise, financially Uh, What skills and abilities and hearts and passions have you given me? Thank you for those things. And then give them away. And allow ourselves to be poured out. I'm going to pray for us. We'll give some time of silence and our ushers will come and dismiss you to come forward and take part in communion if you are at a place where you're, you're ready to do that. Um, You can tear off a piece of the bread and dip into the cup, and we have uh, gluten-free crackers as well. So would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, it's it's extremely um, convicting and uncomfortable to look at your life and to really consider your words. Lord, knowing that you, uh, the King of kings, the creator of all things, came to give your life as a ransom for many, to serve and not to be served. God, who are we to hang on to our stuff, to hoard and build up our storehouses of food and clothes and while so many of your children that you care about and love just as much of us go without God, if we want to have your heart, we, we've got to be stretched, <laughs> and we've got to start being obedient when you're <clears throat> stirring us to, to give and to live differently, Lord, and to stop putting our hope and our, our joy into the things of this world. So, Father, thank you for these people. I know we're on a journey. Um, all of us want to live a life that's pleasing to you, and we've, been, we've grown up in a culture in America that's... that's ingrained in us um, so many things that just are destructive and deadly um, in terms of having a heart that's shaped like yours. So God, I don't want to bring a voice of condemnation this morning, but more of just an encouraging voice of just, hey, let's all just relook at this. Let's allow ourselves to be changed by this Holy Spirit that you've given us. So Father, as we come before you and just create some silence before communion, God, I pray that you would hear our confession But, Lord, that we would also just hear your love and your um, encouragement, God, um, 
that you just want to do some new things with us that it's going to be more life-giving than the life we've been living.